Hello, I'm Ian Madison, a fellow in the International Development Department and the producer of the Refugee Realities podcast series. In this series, students from the course on refugees and forced migration here at the LSE bring us interviews with a range of people on the topic, covering the policies and politics that shape asylum to the lived experiences of refugees themselves. In this episode, Maria Harb explores an often overlooked aspect of the refugee experience, the role of art therapy in helping refugees overcome their traumas and come to feel at home in their new countries. They don't consider what they're doing therapy, but they are treating us. This is what Fida had to say about the theater program she had been involved in since her arrival to Lebanon after being forcibly displaced from her home country, Syria. In this podcast, Maria looks at how theater has opened the space for women and young people to share their stories of loss and displacement, hope and friendship. Maria Harb is a Lebanese MSc student in International Development and Humanitarian Emergencies at the LSE. During her undergraduate studies in psychology, she worked on multiple advocacy projects revolving around topics including disability inclusion and provision of mental health services to refugees. She also volunteered for three years with a local NGO in Lebanon on providing psychosocial support for young Syrian and Palestinian refugees. I hope you enjoy the episode. From both London and Lebanon, welcome to today's podcast. We have two guests with us, both of whom are inspirational women. Our first guest is Victoria Lupton. She has been living in Lebanon for the past 10 years and is the co-founder of Scenario, a leading specialist in theater and play-based learning with marginalized communities in Lebanon and Jordan, in particular, refugee communities. Victoria started her working life as an actor before realizing that her strengths lie in acting behind the scenes for a social purpose. Our second guest is Fida el She began as a participant in a Scenario Youth Theater project four years ago and has since worked as a facilitator on many different scenario projects. After being forcibly displaced from her home country, Syria, she has also worked and volunteered with several NGOs in Lebanon since her arrival in 2012. Thank you, Victoria and Pida, for being here with me today. To start off, Victoria, can you tell us a bit about how Scenario came to be? What are some of your aims and aspirations for the future? Thank you, Maria, for having us. Um, sure, so I founded, uh, co-founded Scenario in 2015. I had been living in Lebanon since 2011. So at the very beginning of the Syrian uprising, uh, revolution, war, um, I, you know, I moved to Lebanon and I witnessed firsthand this huge movement of people from Syria into Lebanon. At one point, it was around 2 million uh, Syrians coming into Lebanon, in addition to the 500,000 Palestinians that already lived in, uh, in, in Lebanon, many of them since 1948. So I was working in contemporary art at the time and I really felt that the contemporary art community uh, needed to respond more strongly to this huge movement of people through arts practices. So uh, I had been working with a very old friend of mine, uh, Oscar Wood in the UK on basically summer theater camps for children for many, many years. I went to Oscar and I kind of suggested to him that we uh, apply this this model in Lebanon and we see how it works. So in 2015 in the summer, we came, 
we uh, created two pieces of theater, one with a group of 30 children in Bekaa, Syrian children, and one in Shatila refugee camp for Palestinian refugees uh, with another group of, of young people in partnership with a local scouts organization. Um, those, those productions really kind of followed the model that would then become the practices that we uh, espoused throughout scenarios. So, you know, we created a, a play in a week, but we created it in this participatory way. Uh, we had no script at the beginning. Um, the participants themselves, they create the story, they perform it at the end, they write the script. Um, and the other thing that we that we were doing was always working in partnership with local communities on the ground so local organizations civil society organizations in order to really kind of build skills within those local communities so that was in 2015 we then started delivering year-round programs pretty soon after that and we grow we grew pretty quickly uh, so by now we're an organization working in Lebanon and Jordan. We've got offices in both countries as well as in the UK. We reach, uh, we've reached 67,000 uh, people to date and we have two strands in our programming. So by now, you know, we have our theater strand, which uh, started with those two show builds, those two summer camp programs. Um, in our theater program, we work with children, with youth, with women. Uh, sometimes we do what we call scratch performances, which happen very quickly in a week or two, uh, you know, and we perform to the local community. And then at the other end of the scale, we deliver our scenario studio productions, which are, you know, really ambitious, uh, large scale productions that we aim to tour nationally and internationally uh, on professional uh, national stages. Um, so that's our theatre programme. As well as all of this, we also train um, train youth and women as theatre facilitators themselves so that they can go and lead the processes that we introduce to them. Uh, and then we have our play-based learning programme on the other side. So this is really working in schools, in education. We train teachers to uh, use theatre techniques, uh, theatre and play, so uh, games, interactive stories, uh, music, songs, as they deliver the curriculum to really uh, make the curriculum to really make teaching and learning in Lebanon and Jordan more interactive, uh, more playful uh, and less didactic. Wow, 67,000 honestly is a huge outreach. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so Fida, you've been involved with Scenario for four years and I'm aware as part of your work with Scenario, you and a group of women spent two weeks in an art residency space in the mountains of Lebanon. Can you tell us more about your experience there? What did it help you explore on a more personal level? Okay, thank you, Maria, for having us. Uh, I still remember the first time when my friend sent me a link to apply for, like, as participants with the theater. So, and since then, I am with Scenario, like, since 2017. So, the first uh, play we did, it was. It's called Shajirat uh, Adur. It was about the first uh, woman leader uh, Islamic history. <laughs> so um, I, it was magical for me because uh, we did not have any script. Uh, we did everything. We create everything, and the process was also like I was amazed with the process. Uh, we end up with uh, on the theater and playing in front of the like parents and kids <clears throat> and after also we we were we were learned how to be facilitator so we did a few uh, hours with the kids uh, playing with them activity about theater so this was also very uh, beautiful to see like smile and laughing kids and uh, 
in joining theater. Uh, the second one was about more about uh, about our stories, about ourselves. So it's called Eight Years Challenge. Um, so this one, uh, we shared we shared our stories, and it was more about us. And also we did the tour, like maybe uh, five or six uh, performance tour around Lebanon. And I still remember that was the first time I hear stories about Palestinian Palestinians' life in Lebanon. They were this this place, uh, maybe during the war, like more than one war during the wars, maybe more than one time. And they had also difficult life, and they still having difficult life. It's like just like us. And now I'm working on uh, on a new play uh, with the 15 woman on Hamana and Hamana. So uh, scenario give us this opportunity to be uh, to have this residency in Hamana for 15 days, and we ate together. We slept in the same room. We were very close. Like uh, it was, it, it was not only like. Uh, playing and be professional. It was also about social life, about making friends, about knowing more people, different nationalities. And at the same time, we shared stories. So everyone was carrying something inside. Wow, that's very interesting. And um, I think she, you brought up an interesting point also about um, sharing stories and how that can be very therapeutic uh, in addition to theater as well. Um, and I have a question for, for Victoria. So um, we're all aware that we have Palestinian refugees in Lebanon and also Syrian refugees. Um, and you brought up how that prompted the initiation of the NGO. And so I have a question about how scenario functions in the very complex environment of Lebanon. So uh, we have different crises in the country. So other than the influx of refugees, we have the economic crisis, the pandemic, and the devastating August 4 blast. So Scenario being an organization that functions in such a complex environment, how are you able to navigate that? Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is that while Scenario, while we founded Scenario in response to a specific influx of refugees, we realized very quickly that uh, not only are host communities in Lebanon and also in Jordan, in many cases, just as impoverished, just as marginalized and isolated as refugee communities. But also there's something really uh, counterproductive about focusing solely on refugees. What a lot of uh, NGOs were doing after 2011 was doing specific refugee projects, which ended up by mistake, accidentally uh, increasing tensions between host and refugee communities, as you know, rightly in some cases, Lebanese communities felt that it was the refugees who were getting all of the support. So what we did very quickly in 2016 was really to change the mission of the organization to be working with all marginalized communities, regardless of nationality. So we now work with, um, we work in rural communities, we work in cities, uh, we work with uh, specifically with different orphanages in Lebanon and Jordan. So we really work across uh, national uh, boundaries and, and across communities. In terms of the, the specific crises that have been happening in the last two years in Lebanon, which are many and quite dizzying. Um, the first thing to say is that uh, we've really tried to be as responsive, as responsive as we possibly can, which I think is the only way to function in, in this uh, context. So in October 2019, a huge peaceful uprising broke out in Lebanon. And you know, most of the scenario team was really actively involved in that uprising, was on the streets. 
Um, and as individuals, we were going down, we were, we were uh, you know, using theater and arts to work with children, to give them a space to express themselves and to, uh, you know, draw the Lebanese flag and to think about a better future for Lebanon. Um, after the, straight after that, really, the, the, the kind of economic collapse started in Lebanon, economic and political vacuum. Um, to give you an idea of the, the repercussions, the local currency, the lira, has devalued by over 90% at this point. And we're in a sort of very serious state of hyperinflation where the currency uh, is entirely unstable and continues to decrease every week. This, this makes it very difficult operationally to run an NGO anyway in Lebanon, when, whether it's about how you pay people, whether it's about... Um, uh, you, you know, getting money into the country, how you use cash, etc. So, so that obviously changes the way that we work. But most importantly, it really has affected our beneficiaries and also our team in very profound ways. Um, uh, a lot of our beneficiaries and particularly our freelancers are really much poorer than they were before. They really find, you know, struggling to survive. And one thing that it's really made us feel since October 2019 is that we have a responsibility to keep working, to keep growing and to keep doing more projects because the need among, among our beneficiaries is greater than ever. And because, uh, frankly, our freelancers need the work. It's a, it's a time of huge precarity for, for freelance artists, trainers, facilitators in Lebanon. So we really feel this responsibility to, um, to, to respond to this and provide work. Uh, in uh, Obviously, in March 2020, the COVID-19 outbreak happened. We locked down. And um, in a way, I would say that Scenario is an organization that works on theater and in schools couldn't have been more highly uh, affected by COVID. You know, theater requires at least 15 people to come together, which obviously was completely impossible. And schools have been closed for the last 18 months. So that part of our work was impossible. However, with every crisis, I think what the Scenario team has been really strong at doing is, is kind of responding quickly and proactively and thinking creatively about new solutions. So really on the first day of lockdown, I remember before we all went home, the Scenario team gathered together in Beirut, uh, we, we got a big whiteboard out and we kind of sketched out lots of different ideas for what we could do during the lockdown period. And we did a lot. We, we moved all of our theatre programmes online. We've created a whole new online modality where uh, instead of having a live performance at the end, um, we create edited videos. So, um, so the children or the youth involved in the process attend weekly Zoom sessions and then they film themselves you know, selfie style uh, in character and they send in their videos and then we edit together this video by the end of the process. So we've delivered a lot, uh, around 20, I think at this point of online theater processes. We made a music video uh, completely remotely, which uh, Fida actually contributed to. She was singing and she was dancing in it uh, where, the, where we had 160 participants, all of whom wrote the lyrics to a video, you know, about the inc incredibly complex situation that we're going through. And then a big program that we made on the play-based learning side was called I Learn From Home. So uh, obviously it wasn't possible to train teachers anymore because teachers weren't in the main teaching, uh, haven't been for the, last, um, for the last 18 months. So what we did instead was we created a whole series of uh, WhatsApp videos, which we sent to caregivers and parents for them to be teaching their children. So we were sending three times a week throughout the lockdown, uh, these videos, and by now they've reached 9,500 families across Lebanon and Jordan. And the engagement rate in these videos has been huge. It's been 93%, which is, you know, which we're really proud of. Um, and then finally, I suppose on August the 4th, uh, the explosion hit Beirut. Both Fida and I were in Beirut. We were working on different scenario projects. 
and uh, you know our houses were affected. We were profoundly affected by the um, by the explosion. And you know, once again, I think the explosion made us, like all of these crises, made us kind of sit down and think: Is theatre and play what we should be doing right now? Shouldn't we be providing shelter and food? Aren't there more important things that we should be working on? And to be honest, every time I think our conclusion has been the same after we ask ourselves these questions, which is actually right now is you know people do need food they do need shelter but what they also need right now at a time when psychologically mentally uh, people are so low are, are really struggling so much um, they also needed a space to express themselves a space a space to imagine other worlds and a space to feel that they're dignified humans rather than rather than the victims of a series of crises so after the explosion we um we created a series of about 14 different theater projects uh, working with communities directly affected in doing those projects. Um, and I completely agree what, about what you said uh, regarding the importance of theatre and play, because I think in the response to the August blast in Beirut, a lot of the focus was on food and shelter, which are, of course, essential, extremely essential. But um, there's the risk of neglecting the issue of mental health uh, and dignity, as you mentioned. So I think that's very important. And um, Fida, I heard that after the devastating blast, you were also working with impacted children. If you can tell us a bit more about your experience with that, um, and yeah, how, how, how was your experience working with children following the blast? Yeah, I, I would like before to mention about the highlights <clears throat> with Finario. Um, of course, of course, yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, so the first play was about uh, like eight years challenge and uh, it was about uh, uh, being Syrian because we were always afraid to tell people that we are Syrian and also we were speaking in our accent that was like more uh, beautiful for us to speak about our ourselves you know uh, because because of all this situation we we, we used to hide we used to, we used to be afraid telling people like I am from Syria, I always like feel, oh, okay, I wait for the reaction, maybe they will hate me, maybe they will not like me. So on this stage, like we felt we are free and we are likable, like people, they like our accent, they like our, like, they like me being Syrian, they like my friend being Palestinian. So this was very, uh, like, this moment uh, was very, very um, important for me. And also uh, being one of the 15 women uh, working on a new play uh, brought, like scenario brought us together, uh, people from different, different nationalities, like Ethiopians, Syrians, Lebanese, Palestinian, Yemeni. Uh, I realized like many, many of these women, they, they shared something like we all women, we all suffer from being women. So now we have this opportunity to speak loud about ourselves. And also we shared many stories and me as, as a person that I'm, I don't open up easily. So I shared something about myself. I share, like I, 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 was, I was very afraid telling people that I am single mom and divorced because of the uh, cliche and judgmental about being like single mom. Uh, in the Arabic court, but I should be very proud. Like, like it's not something that I have to hide or be shy. So then, then I was very like, 
relieved and I was very honest and I told them about that being mom for two years uh, since maybe now 15 years. <laughs> um, it's something beautiful and also I remember uh, I can I can share more but actually I don't want people to feel betty and also I don't want to uh, to bring tears to other people <laughs> so so I was very like uh, okay little, little by little and one of uh, the women uh, she called Aya she she lost her dad like she was hoping that he will come back one day because he was kidnapped for four five years and then they 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 heard just from people that he died he died in the prison and she couldn't say even goodbye to him so this was something i felt it before and also another one she, uh, her name is najah she is she lived in in a camp and she's she's very accepted and she told us that uh, she was very close on herself she never she doesn't speak much with her family uh, she doesn't live with her mom with her mom and her dad she lives with her brother and she always feels that she's she's like she doesn't have friends but with with uh, with other girls she shared and she opened up she spoke about herself more and she said now i have this uh, space when i can't share with with you guys my my life and uh, she was more social yes so so all these stories together uh, let me think about myself more and uh, being forced to leave Syria 2012 when I left Syria. Um, it was very difficult for me. It's not easy because I was, I, I, I did not, I did not want to do that, but I was forced to do that. And we, we left illegally because three of my brothers, they were killed by the regime. So we came legally we just like skate in the mountain and rockets um above us shooting fighting so we felt that we can we survived like uh, i don't know how to explain that but uh, we could die and we arrived like mentally very very difficult it was for us mentally we were not okay uh, i spent maybe two years not speaking with anyone and I think what scenario doing is very, they, they don't consider themselves that they do therapy, but they are treating us. And that's what I like about scenario because uh, many people, they have the same stories that they can't share, but they don't force us to share it. By this activity, we share it and we feel relieved. So... <laughs> Um, thank, thank you so much for sharing, Fida, honestly. Um, and I really do believe in the healing powers of sharing. So uh, as you were saying, whether it's through theater or speaking to other women, I really, really do believe in them. Yeah, so uh, about, about my work with uh, other activities after the explosion in, in Beirut. So I was affected mentally and also uh, mentally I was affected a lot with my daughters because I was uh, I was not at home. I was not with them. So we, they were alone at home and that's happened. They were so terrified. They were tra tra like they had trauma. And also I was afraid I was 
feeling that I'm not going to get them in, in this, at the right time. And uh, I felt also guilty after like hearing lots of people dying and some of them, they were my, my neighbors. So I felt that I'm survival and they died, why? So I wanted to do something and I was looking, looking for volunteering and then scenario they called me, they said there is uh, this activity with the with kids, they were like affected with this, with, this, uh, with the exclusion. So it was for me a uh, treatment. I felt happy because also these kids, they shared their stories with, with me. And this activity brought, brought Palestinian, Syrian, Lebanese kids together. And for first time, I felt like they are happy together. They are so like friends, they were close and they made it quickly. Like they met each other only uh, in this project. And I, I realized like kids, they don't know how to help. And it's all because of scenario. <laughs> and actually, yeah, it was very beautiful to see like even the facilitator, she was with me, Dana. I never felt that we are different. She's Lebanese and I am Syrian. And we were working just together. And that it's worth saying that that, uh, that project was in an area called Khanda al-Ghamit, which is uh, very close to the explosion site, but also a very conservative area, very closed. Um, you know, in general, NGOs don't go there at all. So it was very special to be able to, um, to, to work in that community. And really, it was the first time for these children, it was their first time meeting you know, for the Syrians, it was their first time really being friends with Lebanese and vice versa. And uh, because they live in buildings, you know, they're neighbors, they live next door to each other. They've now carried on those friendships and they keep talking to each other still now. That's wonderful. Um, and honestly, like a scenario should serve as an example for different organizations, uh, as well as you were mentioning earlier about how some organizations very righteously, obviously, uh, work only with refugees but that can also serve many risks. And so um, the, the, the impact of social cohesion that uh, Scenario offers is amazing. And as Fida said, children don't know how to hate. And I think they should serve as an example for all of us. Um, and thank you so much Fida again for sharing about your experience, um, whether it was during your, the forcibly uh, displacement, um, ex your forcibly displacement experience in Syria or uh, the August last. Um, and I think to wrap up the podcast, I just wanna ask a final question. Um, Victoria, so considering that you are not an asylum seeker or a refugee yourself, can you tell us a bit about how your positionality, about how that impacts your experience managing an NGO in Lebanon? Mm, sure. I mean, I think the first thing to say is that I'm I'm uh, I'm not I'm not Lebanese. I'm not uh, obviously a refugee, but I'm also not a tourist here. You know, I've been here ten years. I speak Arabic. My whole professional career has been here, uh, and it's worth saying that you know both Fida and I, if we were living in a European country, might be on our way to citizenship by by now. You know, Lebanon doesn't allow that as an opportunity for people living here, uh, but in other jurisdictions, you you would have that possibility to naturalize. Um, Putting that aside, I, you know, I see my role uh, at Scenario as really a facilitator and an activator rather than a kind of manager or a spokesperson for the organization. I actually quite rarely 
speak in this kind of setting, you know, in panels. Um, and I see my role really as making space for other voices to shine. You know, everybody has their voice. It's not like at Scenario we're giving people a voice, but we are making spaces and providing platforms for people to speak in their voices. Um, the other thing on a very practical level is, you know, I because I'm British, because I, I, I grew up in the UK, I have access to these to these networks, to these resources, to funders that people here don't, simply don't have access to. So a, a big role, as I see it, is to shift resources and funds from the UK to where it's needed here in Lebanon. Um, and then I suppose the final thing to say is that at Scenario, our primary value, our central value is that of meaningful participation. And we think and talk a lot about what that means, meaningful participation. Obviously in our programs, you know, they're all about participation. They're all about people giving their own ideas and really being at the center of the process. But we try to also run the organization operationally like that. So our, in terms of our management style, in terms of how we work with the core team, with the office team, with the freelancers, you know, we try to be as participatory as possible. We try not to be hierarchical. We try to be transparent with, you know, even really practical things like how much everyone's paid or, uh, or what the strategy and vision for the organization is. We really try to make space for everybody to participate in that process and to be aware of, 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 of what's happening. Um, the final, the final thing is to say that, you know, I, I, I hope that at some point I will be able to hand over Scenario and, and Oscar, my co-founder and co-director feels the same, you know, we'll be able to hand it over uh, to people who are from here, from these communities, uh, whether that's in a year's time or whether that's in a decade's time. Um, because, you know, we do, we do feel that the strongest way is if uh, organizations are locally run as much as they possibly can be. Great. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree about um, building connections between Lebanon and the UK. And I think um, that's one of the advantages. Um, Fida, would you like to also talk about uh, your experience working with different NGOs in Lebanon? How has that been for you? Yeah, so since I arrived to Lebanon, I've been uh, participants or volunteer or working with different NGOs, a local and international. And to be honest, like uh, I can see like the, the first time I met Scenario, I was surprised like why they are different, why they treat us like that, why the uh, manager or the administrator, they don't treat us like slaves or like, <laughs> like, like uh, workers. Uh, my experience was with the other NGOs was totally different because they treat they treated us like slaves, and that's uh, this is the only opportunity that we have, and we have to work very hard, and they own they own us, so th because they pay us, uh, they uh, manipulate us, you know, like even the international, and also many details I want I would like to share with where. Um, Scenarios, they, they are very transparent, like uh, the money that they earn or they have, uh, they want to share it with every everyone, with employee, participants, with like they don't feel it's their money. But with, with other NGOs, like they buy huge materials and like it's for nothing, uh, like no one uses it. So they don't know, they don't have this like organized, um, they don't sort of the things very well. And, and also I never felt like that I am different. They, they have 
amazing they always have amazing people different nationalities different religions um but we all are the same we all we all all uh, we are all equal and also um oh i wanted to say something else okay never mind <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, a, a big problem in NGOs, whether it's uh, in Lebanon or all around the world, is that um, sometimes it can be a bit bureaucratic and that can disadvantage volunteers or people that work there. Um, and just to end things, Fida and Victoria, I would like to thank you both very much for joining me today. And I hope to meet you both in Lebanon soon. So do we, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so thank much you. for having us, Maria. Yeah, thank you for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Refugee Realities podcast series, hosted by the Department of International Development at the LSE. We have more episodes on the way, so please do stay tuned.